Hey there, SLP. You are listening to this podcast, so I know that you love to listen to podcasts. And if that is the case, then I know that you are going to love my secret private podcast, Secondary Secrets for SLPs. It's six short episodes that will have you walking away feeling refreshed and inspired and ready to take on those challenging secondary speech students. So if you work with grades four through 12 and are in a planning rut or wanting some fresh new ideas to keep your students motivated, make sure you head to speechtimefun.com slash secondary secrets. You are not going to find this podcast in your iTunes podcast search browser. You can only get access by going to that link. So head to it now. It is six short episodes that you can listen to it in under an hour, like totally Netflix binge-worthy. I made this just for you, and I know you are going to love it. SLPs have been telling me already that it has changed their way for working with their older speech students. So head on over, again, to speechtimefund.com slash secondarysecrets, or use the link in the show notes, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Now let's head on to this week's episode of SLP Coffee Talk. Welcome to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. I'm so excited to have another guest on the show this week. This week, I have Ashley Rossi from Sweet Southern Speech. Me and Ashley have met in person several times at various ASHA conventions and teachers pay teachers events. And me and Ashley have really gotten to know each other well over the years just for our love of fun and engaging therapy ideas. You might be familiar with Ashley from Instagram where she's often sharing ideas from the Target dollar spot using mini erasers, using dice, using ball poppers, using the bingo dabbers. And today I'm so excited to be talking with Ashley all about utilizing books, and literacy-based therapy ideas in the speech room, which I know you all are going to love. So let's get on with the show. You are listening to SLP Coffee Talk. I am your host, Hallie Sherman, and I am a licensed speech-language pathologist who is in the trenches working full-time in a public school in New York. I'm the author of the blog and Teachers Pay Teachers store, Speech Time Fun, where I love helping other SLPs conquer the overwhelm and get back hours spent on prepping activities. I am here to help you be the best SLP you can be and have fun while doing it. Just like your morning cup of coffee, this podcast is just what you need to start the day or week. Let's jump into today's Coffee Talk. Hey, Ashley, welcome to SLP Coffee Talk. Thanks so much for having me, Howie. It's great to be here. Yeah, so tell everyone a little bit more about you and your love for using books in speech therapy. Yeah, so again, my name is Ashley Rossi. I am an SLP in Texas, and I have my own private practice. I've had a private practice for about eight years, and I see students in a private school. And right now, my caseload is zero, so I'm kind of <laughs> taking a step back from therapy and just focusing on creating TPT resources and blogging. I'm a mom of two boys, so I'm very busy with that as well. But my love for books started really when my boys were little and I just started collecting so many books we would read. I'd have a basket of books in every room and we would read all day long. And I really saw when I went back to work after having both of them and taking a few years off, I just really started to see a need for 
integrating literacy into my speech sessions. And I really found that almost every goal my students had, I could really find a way to incorporate a book into it. And I was also a little bit disheartened because I would ask my students in therapy, you know, what'd you read last night? And a lot of them were just not being read to. And that, it broke my heart in such a way, but it also inspired me to really also teach and educate the parents on how to read to their children and how to work on some of those speech goals through the books. And, you know, that's just been a passion of mine. It's what I blog about the most. And, you know, I've recently started a book companion series, digging really deep into books and then how to kind of make it easier for SLPs to use it. Because when I first started, it was, I'd open a book, I'd read it. We'd ask some recall questions. And I was like, surely there's more I can be doing. Mm -hmm. And so I really started looking a little bit deeper into those books and, um, and I'm really proud of kind of what's come of that. And I love the response that I'm getting from other SLPs that it's, it's finally making sense to them as well. Yeah, because I feel like many SLPs, they, because it is so open-ended, they struggle to decide where to go with it. Yeah. And what absolutely. is your best tip or trick or words of inspiration when someone says, okay, like I have this child can work on so many goals and there's so many things like where to right. begin. Well, I think you really do need to look at more than just my thing is more than just a cute book. Mm -hmm. It has to be more than just a cute seasonal book. You really need to know what are your students' goals. And so if your students' goals are phonemic awareness, if they're struggling with even speech sound disorders, they're most likely going to have reading, reading issues. So find books that have rhyming, find books that have, you know, some of those phonemic awareness syllables, compound words, things like that. If you have students who are struggling with certain speech sounds, you know, I have lists on my blog where I literally have just gone through all the bookshelves and picked out S books, R books, and then either have the students, you know, reading beside you or you're pointing to them and you're pausing and they're coming up with those R words. Doing those things will help you become more purposeful with why you're choosing and selecting books. Because that's really, you know, you can look at award-winning books. You can go into different blogs, different podcasts to find really good quality books. I always choose books that have great vocabulary, great plot. I think that's really important because a lot of kids, even when they start to read, they kind of just are word callers. Mm -hmm. So they're reading the words, but then they can't tell you the story. And so, you know, having a good handful of authors that are you know, that you can depend on and just really having a purpose on why you're selecting a book because there's tons of books out there, mm -hmm. but really be purposeful in your selection. Totally. Do you have any go-to authors that you recommend first? Yes. Yes. I love Kate Messner. Mm -hmm. um, she's one of my favorite authors. She has some really great picture books that are a little bit seasonal over and under the pond. They're kind of quick reads. I love Judy, Julia Donaldson books. Uh, Room on the Broom, most people are okay, familiar okay. with um, Halloweener. <laughs> she has some really great, she, the Gruffalo, she has some really great ones. Cynthia Ryland is great. I mean, Eric Carl. Mm -hmm. Can't go know, wrong. I was just finishing an Eric Carl book, The um, House for Hermit Crab. And mm -hmm. it's a picture book. But honestly, I think the more SLPs can really open the books and you can really see, there's some really great inferencing. There's really great syntax, really great vocabulary, really, you know, compare contrast ideas. So just look 
you know, look at some of those award-winning authors and there's a reason, right? There's a reason they're award-winning authors. I love Bill Peet books, but they're a little bit longer for a quick 30 minute session. You know, mm-hmm. um, I love wordless picture books and I know you love wordless I picture love books. love them. Why do you love them? <laughs> well, I think they take, they, I think they take the pressure uh-huh. off of students. Our kids are, you know, they know they're coming to speech for a reason. They are reluctant to read. And so it takes that pressure off. There's no words for them to have to sound out. You know, there, mm-hmm. there's, there's nothing there. So it gives, it gives them that freedom to create their own story. It's a, and it's a really great tool for getting a language sample. So true. I find it builds them that confidence that, oh my gosh, I can answer these comprehension questions yep. because all I had to do was- There's no words to rely on. That pressure is off. That's why I totally love them. What is your number one favorite wordless picture book? If you had to pick I love one. chalk. Mm-hmm. I love chalk. A ball for Daisy. Okay. I love a ball for Daisy. Um, Tommy DePola has some, you know, some good ones mm-hmm. or, or nearly wordless picture books. But, you know, there's, and I, I, I do have a list on my blog of some really great <laughs> wordless picture books to, to use in therapy. And um, I'll always include those in my um, like screenings or evaluations, especially for language. Yeah. Totally. Definitely. What advice would you give maybe, you know, because this episode's coming out over the summer, we're going to have some brand new SLPs, some CFYs coming into the yeah. field. What advice would you give an SLP who's like, okay, do I just go out and buy every single book under the sun? Like, do I just <laughs> stock up? What advice would you give them? So my advice is actually to ask friends and family on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Because especially in the summer, moms always clean out, right? So we always clean out our kids' rooms. And if you ask friends and family there and just say, hey, if you have any children's picture books, I am starting a collection, leave them on your doorstep and I will come pick them up. I used to do that all the time. Ask teachers who are retiring if you can have any of their books. Mm -hmm. It's always a great area. Goodwill always has great picture books. And yes, they're loved, but that's okay because they're going to be loved in your therapy room. <laughs> right? Very true. Um, you're not going to care so much if something happens. <laughs> yeah. You're just, you're not. I'm in Texas. So I don't know where all they are in the country, but we have stores here called Half Price Books and it's a treasure trove because literally that's where I get a majority of my books and it's a used bookstore. So, you know, asking friends and family and then just, you know, shopping around Goodwill, yard sales, if you do that kind of thing, there's always ways. But I mean, literally, if I could have one thing for therapy and I had to only pick one thing, it would definitely be books. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Now, I'm not much into character books, like superhero, princess, those kinds of books. I think those are great for like at home or, you know, for you to collect and do at home for fun on your own. But in therapy, I want rich books with great content. And you can use books even with your middle schoolers too. Uh, yes. Most, most picture books are actually written at a higher lexile yes, and are. are more appropriate for like fifth, sixth grade. That's and they don't mind. No. They really don't. So here's a trick. If you are working with middle schoolers, I used to have on my bookshelf, I, I always arrange mine by like season or even sound. And then I started to have this one box that I put for older students only. And I would put books in that container. 
And then it was almost like, oh, okay. So middle schoolers can only go to this container to get the books. And that kind of like made them feel a little bit better. Like these aren't the baby books, you Mm -hmm. know? So if you do have some reluctant older kids who think they're reading baby books, find a little space and put a sign on it that says for older students only and put those books there. So true. So true. Do you have a favorite book that you've used with your older ones? Well, I mean, I love the Kate Messner books because she has some almost for every season. And so Over and Under the Pond, she's coming out with a new Rainforest book soon. Um, Over and Under the Snow, my mind's going blank. But she has, it's M-E-S-S-N-E-R. And she has, I mean, the vocabulary in them is, is phenomenal. And gosh, I mean, there's very few books that I wouldn't use with my older students. Just, you know, watch the graphics, Mm -hmm. you know, watch the graphics. I mean, I wouldn't do Fly Guy with middle school, right? No, that's more like third, fourth-ish grade. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've done with my middle schoolers, um, The Stranger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, which has great inferential thinking involved. And like, they really have to like, I've had to read it multiple times to them for them to really truly grasp what is going on. Well, because after about third grade, the questions that they're getting in the classroom are no longer black and white. They're no longer just direct from the text. They always involve inferencing. So you've got to start picking books that have some of those inferencing opportunities with your third and fourth, fifth, sixth graders, Mm -hmm. because those are the questions they're getting. They're not getting, what did it say on page three? You know, you have to get into what is the character thinking? Why did they make those decisions? But why not use a piece of material that they're going to be motivated by? So why not, right? Absolutely. And if you, even if you go like to, if you're struggling with quality books, Amazon, you can even go to Amazon and search award-winning books. And there's lists out there. Such a great yeah, tip. Newberry books. You know. And even on Amazon, you can buy it used. Oh, yeah. And they'll take anything back. So always try it. I mean, I've, re- I've ordered books flipped through them and realized, oh, there is nothing and there's nothing in this book. And I've sent it back. And also another great tip, guys, is your library card or the school library. Just walk oh, in there. for sure. Take a step, sure. you know. <laughs> sometimes leaving our therapy closets to walk into the, <laughs> the school yes. library, you never know. And even my yes. librarian gives me ideas of books that I, like, they'll recommend books for me. Yeah, your librarian should be one of your most used resources. And also just the classroom, like, if you're needing to align to curriculum, get on your teacher's email list or find out their week. They all send out like a little weekly newsletter, especially the elementary teachers. They're always doing a theme. So if they're doing, you know, if they're studying, you know, nocturnal animals, well then go find some nocturnal animal books and then you can help with that vocabulary carryover. So, so true. Mm -hmm. Like, and I know in my building, like each grade has a novel that they read. Also they have like grade level. Yes. Look. And, I got myself a copy of them and sat mm-hmm. for a weekend reading it just, just yep. so I can pull out passages and this. Do I want to be drilling the same thing that they're doing in the classroom all the time? Mm-hmm. No, but I can easily show my students how what we're doing with this storybook aligns with what you're doing. Right. In our school, in third grade, they read Charlotte's Web. And so several years ago, I had to re- reread Charlotte's Web. Mm-hmm. And then, but, you know, Templeton and Charlotte and all that, there's a lot going on with those characters, even in third grade. So you really have to help them, you know, find parallel stories that can help them think deeper because that's where they're going to get meaning from. They have to be able to think deeper into what the characters, what are the characters thinking? 
right? So, I mean, so yeah. So find a spider book, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But I mean, even, even the Eric Carl book, like house for a hermit crab or the foolish tortoise. I mean, there's like some deep mm-hmm. processing going on in those books. So, so true. And sequencing, and also, and the script, there's so many things you can do with it. Oh, sequencing. Hello. I mean, yeah. But I would, one good tip I really want SOPs to think about is to make sure you're choosing books with, with some diverse characters in them and different abilities because our students, A, need to see themselves reflected in the storybooks that we have on our shelves, but they also need to see the world reflected on our bookshelves. And so really look for kids who have, you know, diverse abilities and, you know, diverse skin tones or, you know, anything like that, just really be mindful of that in your book selection because the kids need to see that reflected. So, so true. That's such a great tip, especially someone mm-hmm. starting up building their library or someone yes. who's thinking about their library right now while they're listening to us going, hmm, what books do I have and how can I use them? Think about how Absolutely. you can incorporate some of those books. Totally. Love that idea. I love that mm-hmm. tip. Can you give an example Think of one book and give an example of how you would walk through your session or walk through your planning in your mind for that session. So that's someone who's going like, okay, I want an example. Do you you have anything for us? Absolutely. So, because summer's coming, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I may just go back to Kate Messner over and under the pond um, or a camping spree with Mr. McGee. Love Chris Van Dusen. So Chris Van Dusen, who's a great illustrator, who is the illustrator for the Mercy Watson books, um, has come out with A Camping Spree with Mr. McGee. And then there's also Down by the Sea with Mr. McGee. And they're rhyming books. And they're just delightful. So the illustrations alone are worth their weight. So you don't have to read the words. You can talk about the pictures. And you can work on positioning. Like the bear is in the waterfall. The rock is next to the waterfall. You know, like you can work on prepositions. You can talk about all the animals in the book, compare, contrast, what animals would be there, what animals would not be there on, you know, a mountainside and a river and a waterfall, but it does have great rhyming. So kids need to be able to pick up on that rhyme because rhyming is one of our phonological awareness needs to be able to read pre-reading strategy and then also sequencing. So beginning, middle, end, or somebody wanted, but so then is a great plot recall. You know, there's a lot of inferencing in the book. And then after the book, you can work on describing. So you can pick out different major parts and describe a waterfall, describe a bear, describe a marshmallow, describe the dog, describe you know, all the different parts to work on semantic features or story recall. And so it, it needs to be more than just read the book, and recall questions. You know, what, what was the characters thinking? Why were they making those decisions? Did they grow during the book, right? So mm-hmm. did their character traits grow during the book? And then you can also look at the text features. So why in some books are the words bolded or highlighted or the font changed? Because the author is trying to call your attention to reading that word differently. So there's onomatopoeia, you know, things like that. Kids need to be aware of the text. And if there's an ellipsis, that means you've got to kind of carry your thought. You know, some books have dialogue in them. So really look at some of those text features as well. That's such a great strategy for our students who struggle to dig deep into a text. And yes. they're very literal. They, like all those things are hints for them that can help them answer questions later on. 
Absolutely. Because again, a lot of them are, are struggling just to read the actual word that they get to the bottom of the page and they're so exhausted that they really don't realize there was meaning behind these words. So true. No, that is great. Those are so many great ideas. Now, I know someone listening, and it's not one person, someone might be listening saying, how do you get all that done and read the story in a 30-minute session? What would you say to them? Well, so, and that's one of the common questions that I get asked all the time is, what does your session look like? How many, and everyone can do it differently, right? But again, it goes back to the need of the student. So there are some students that I use one book with for two weeks. There are some students with it. I get it all done in 30 minutes. It just depends on what that goal is for that child on that day. So we have to individualize. Even if you're doing a group session with one book, one student may have syntax goals. One student may have semantic goals. And so it is challenging to find one book for all the students. It can be done, but you may use a book differently for each student. And there's no one size fits all. There's just not. I mean, so if, if someone gives you a formula for use this book with all of your students, I mean, that's going to be really hard. Mm-hmm. I just don't believe in that. So true. I, I just don't believe in, there's no one formula. There's no right way to use one book. And even two students with syntax goals Completely might need different, different. strategies to, Absolutely. to work on it. So you, mm-hmm. so not, yeah. to not be afraid of using manipulatives, taking out a dry erase board and giving a sentence strip or whatever you need. You know, don't forget mm-hmm. about all those strategies and ways of teaching them these skills also. Well, and I think it holds a lot of people back as well because they're waiting on that. I need, a, I need to know what, you know what that perfect formula is and there just isn't. You just really need to get into the book and realize what your students are needing. And some of that you can discover it as you're reading the books. You go, wow, this student really can't infer. They really can't compare these two characters. And so, okay, then it takes you down a different avenue for book selection. But there is no, you know, I know some people say, well, on day one, you show the preview or you show the cover, Mm -hmm. but you don't open the book. And on day two, you do this. And on day three, you do this. There's, I don't, believe in that formula. I think every student has a different need. Mm-hmm. And that's why our students struggle in the classroom because often that is what they're doing in the classroom, the classroom teachers. Like they yeah. are following a curriculum and mm-hmm. they have to do, you know, get from A to Z. And if a student can't comprehend it, they just don't get it and they move on. Right. Where right. we have that ability of, we're not following a curriculum. No, if we that fill book in take, gaps. If, if that book takes longer than expected, so what? <laughs> right. That's the beauty and the flexibility and the freedom that we have so as true. SLPs. And to support the classroom teacher as well, you know, mm-hmm. we have to be able to support what, they're, what the teacher is seeing as well. So, so true. Wow. I don't know about you guys, but I am totally <laughs> thinking about hopping on Amazon and checking out some of these book recommendations and thinking about yes. how I can incorporate more text features into my speech therapy and also, you know, making sure I have more diversity and things on my bookshelf. And I love the tip about having the bin just for older students, even though I only work with older students, they'll just see the book, the, that one bin for themselves. And <laughs> a lot of times they see the younger, cause I, ha- I have books from when I worked with preschoolers 
in sure. my therapy room because pff, where else am I going to put them? And the, they look at it right. going, ah, oh, and I'm like, and it's all combined on my bookshelf. So I love mm-hmm. the idea of having a bin that says like, for Middle fifth school grade, fifth grade and they're right. going to, yeah. yeah, exactly. Cause they love it when you pull out a book. It's something that they're so used sure to worksheets and articles and massive novels that are way above their heads. When you That's take right. out something that has cute pictures, mm-hmm. it takes them back. It, it really, really does. does. Mm-hmm. So, and, and they that, love to be read too. They mm-hmm. do. They well, love I've, to be read too. Sometimes I've let them like scoot around me and like, I sometimes want to like make microwave a little popcorn if I had a microwave and like mm-hmm. have a little movie time. Yeah. So I always wish I had a rocking chair in my therapy room. I know. Right. Well, I didn't even have a room with a door. So. I mean, I'm in a closet, so. Right. There's, there's definitely no room for a rocking chair. I didn't even have no. a window. But sometimes, you know, bring some old pillows and lay down on the floor, you know, get them out of the desk. And if you kind of change that mindset, change that scenario, it, it really can take that pressure off of them, you know, mm-hmm. because we want them to love books. Mm-hmm. Isn't there like a Dr. Seuss quote, like something about reading? I don't know. I feel like there's Probably. one. I don't Probably. know. I feel like there's so many. I feel like, I, I feel like to show students the love of reading, we have to show them how much we love it too. I don't know. There's Absolutely. definitely one of those. Yeah. That it's a way that gets our students to love learning. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for sharing so many yes. awesome ideas thank on you. this episode. Where can people learn more about you, hear more about you, hear about more of your ideas? I mean, you can follow me on Instagram. It's Ashley Rossi SLP. Um, my blog is sweetsouthernspeech.com. And on that blog, you can go to my literacy-based speech section. And I have tons of free book suggestions, lists that you can print off, goals that go with all of the books. So take a look around and you can always email me if you're struggling to find a book for a student or something like that. Because I love books. I love chatting about books and using books. And I want other people to have that same passion. I know you guys can't see her right now, but I'm seeing her and she's smiling as she's saying how much she loves books. Like that is no joke. That is truly a love of books and speech therapy that she's like really glowing right now. (laughs) So Ashley, thank you so much for joining us. And I can't wait to speak to you again soon. Okay. Bye. So there you have it. I hope you guys are feeling inspired, motivated, and realize how you can just use a book off the bookshelf and bring magic into your speech world each and every day with your students. Thank you for tuning into another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. And before I give you the joke of the week, I want to share a listener shout out who left a awesome review on iTunes about this podcast. I absolutely love this podcast. All of the resources are necessary and helpful for SLPs, especially those working in the schools. Our roles are extremely challenging and even more challenging for novice SLPs. Thank you for creating this podcast and continuing to bless us with your resources and motivational support. Thank you so much for that amazing review. And if you haven't left a review already, please go over to iTunes and leave a review on this podcast because that's the best way for other SLPs to find out more about this podcast. It helps the search engine and things like that. So I'm going to end this episode with a joke. Like usual, what building has the most stories? The library. I had to use a joke about books if this episode is all about using books in your speech therapy room. Until next week, guys, stay out of trouble. Do you love incorporating literacy-based activities in your speech room? Are you looking for more storybooks to add to your collection that are perfect for speech and language therapy? Did you know that I wrote a children's book 
Ella Bella Just Can't Tell Ya is perfect for working on sequencing, describing, WH questions, and more. It is perfect for students with word-finding difficulties too. Check it out on Amazon by going to speechtimefun.com slash Ella Thanks for tuning in for another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at www.speechtimefun.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any future episodes. While you are there, it would mean the world to me if you would take a few seconds and leave me an honest review. See you next week with another episode full of fun and inspiration from one SLP to another. Have fun, guys.